August 9th, 2023. We're in Masechet Bet Count from the bottom of the Amud up on Daf Yodzayin Amud Aleph. It's 15 lines up. The third word on the line. We're in the midst of talking, of course, about Eruv Tafshilin. Says the Gemara Ibaayalehu. There was a question in the Midrash. They had a uh, a query. They weren't certain about the following. Mishelohiniach Eruve Tafshilin. A person who prior to Yom Tov didn't leave an Eruv Tafshilin. He and his household didn't set up an Eruv Tafshilin. And for one reason or another, they're not going to depend upon the Rav Ha'ir. They're not going to depend upon another who may have set up Eruv Tafshilin that they can bank upon, whom we read about, which we read about in the past Amud and a half or so. They're not going to depend upon the condition, the Tenai, on the first day of leaving the Eruv Tafshilin, which we learned about yesterday. Instead, they literally don't have Eruv Tafshilin. Thank you, Morris. But uh, someone else brought for me already. I'll, I'll take two. That's. I can drink third. It's not that's a right. <laughs> <laughs> instead, they're stuck. Thank you so much. They're stuck without Na'iruf Tafshilin and with no other situation which will help them uh, to prepare the food on Yom Tov for Shabbat. And they're looking to do something. Maybe they can turn to their neighbor. Maybe they can have their friend use their food and make food for them, use their materials and make food for them. Certainly the individual is asur from making food for themselves and their family. They don't have an Eruv Tavshilin. What about Vikim Hone Esar? Is their flour, meaning their ability to make food with their items, forbidden as well? In other words, can they turn to their neighbor, as I said, their friend, or invite a chef to make the food for them? O Dilma, or perhaps, Dilma means maybe, Hu Ne'esar, Ve'en Kim Ne'esar. Or alternatively, maybe it's just they who are, through their actions, forbidden now from preparing food, but their foodstuffs are permitted in order to create food, in order to produce food for the family. Does the person cooking it have to eat it? Can a person take anything and put it for no reason? Effectively, the Gemara is questioning, irrespective, it's a good question, Nathan wants to know, what if the person who comes and cooks it will eat from it themselves? Uh, the Gemara is questioning, uh, irrespective of that. Ultimately speaking, is this food forbidden? Uh, whether the person's going why, why to eat from be, it or not. Why would it be forbidden? The whole thing over here that we're dealing with is a rabbinic enactment in order to make certain one of two things, which we discussed. I know. And as a result, you were present for that one. Um, and as a result, the Gemara's question is, to what extent did they build safeguards? Did they fortify their takada, this gezerah of sorts? Eating by your neighbor. It's not, eating by your neighbor would not be a problem. You don't need to be fasting. The question is, can your neighbor use your food to make food? Whether for themselves or for you, doesn't per se, the Gemara doesn't distinguish between whose, whose, whose kitchen it is. The Gemara says, what would the practical ramification be? In other words, the Gemara, at least in the Nosach, the Girsa that we have, uh, the Gemara assumes there is a way around this irrespective of whether you say or not, the Gemara's assumption is you can deal with this, you might just have an extra step. How so? Says the Gemara, Can you make a Kinyan, can you have another acquire on Yom Tob your Kemah? Your flour and any other food items that you have in order to create. You can do kinyan on Yom Tov, the Sorech Mitzvah. 
There's a debate about specifics, 100%, no question. We've talked about many kinyanim on Yom Tov. If it's for the purpose of Simchat Yom Tov, it's clear from the Gemara over here and elsewhere, you're allowed to make a kinyan. Well, that being the case, can you be makne your kemah to another person? I amarta, if you were to say, hu ne'esar vikim ne'esar sarich le'aknuye. If it's not only that you're forbidden in the action of producing the food when you don't have an iruv tafshilin, but the food that you have, the items to prepare food which are in your possession are as well forbidden, what you'd need to do is an intermediary, st- intermediary stage. You'd need to be makneh, you'd need to give as a present, or in some way or another, transfer ownership of your kemah to the other person. If alternatively, if alternatively, it's only that you're forbidden to produce the food because you don't have an iruv tafshilin, but your kemah, your flour, and anything else that you own is, it's not forbidden. You wouldn't need to make that hakna'ah. You didn't, wouldn't need to make it that another one acquires it on Yom Tov in order to make food with it. So again, the Gemara is assuming for one reason or another that irrespective of whether you say Kimchon Esar or En Kimchon Esar, there is a way around this. The question is, do you need an extra stage? The rabbis would be lenient, ultimately speaking, as we have the Gemara in front of us. However, the question is, if Kimchon Esar, if my items are forbidden as well, it's not only an Isur on the Gavra, on the individual, but on the Hefza, on the items, what you'd need to do is transfer ownership. If you transferred ownership, then that other individual can make food, both for himself, for you, just for you. Why would we think that the food itself, like from where is this question coming from, that the food itself... So this is what Rabbi was asking. It has to be what the Gemara is wondering is, and ultimately speaking, concluding, is that, um, is that the Chachamim's Takana of Eruv Tachilin was so strong and so much in place that they wanted you and me to be so careful about preparing it that they said to us, not only will you be forbidden, anything you own will be forbidden as well. It's a strength of the Chachamim, ultimately speaking. Now, ultimately speaking, again, this is a Gezerah Medrabanan, or a Takana, which is full, falling through, you know, with a certain safeguard connected to it, what would happen, and the Gemara will wonder this in just a few lines, what if Kimhone is Nesa? Alternatively, you know, and you go ahead and you make the food anyway. Your Kemach was Asur in and of itself. And the Gemara will wonder that as well. But the question over here is, can you do that? Can you give it to another person to make the food for you? Maybe the Chachamim were so strong in their Takana to the extent that even the Kemach is Nesa. Again, as the Gemara, which is in front of us, has it. What's that? No reason for yourself, for your own benefit, Wow. It's for Simhat Yom Tov. No, no, but you're not getting Simhat Yom Tov. Of course you are. He's, no, but he's going to give it either, one of two things. Either he's going to... You're happy that he's eating? You're happy he's eating the Simhat Yom Tov? Listen, Lema'aseh, there's a Kinyan he's going to need to make. He's going to need to take it from you. The Rishonim and the Aharonim debate the specifics of how this Kinyan would be affected, effectuated. But ultimately speaking, he's doing it. He's taking it from your possession. He's preparing the food either for himself. I imagine he's preparing it for you. Why wouldn't he be preparing it for you? Ultimately speaking, you're the one who's interested in eating. It's your food. He's basically you. He's doing what you would have been doing. So in fact, in fact, Nathan, Rashi writes so explicitly. Says Rashi, "Hu ne'esar le'efot ve'kimcho ne'esar shelo yehu acherim ofin kimcho." Rashi does not write it explicitly. Rashi says, um, the next Rashi does. Rashi says, 
Latet lo. Oh, those are very important final words of Rashi. Rashi is making clear that the question, this comes back to your initial question uh, in the class, Nathan, Rashi's wording over here, velatet lo, making clear, the only issue of the kemah being ne'esar would be vis-a-vis you benefiting from it. He'll make the food for you to eat from. If he's going to take the food and eat from it himself, it's clear from those last words in Rashi, you'd have no issue whatsoever. But fundamentally then, that's the issue of the Gemara, is the Kemah Asur. That's saying you'd have to take for, meaning... No, no, Rashi's addition in those two words is, if you're my neighbor and I didn't make Eruv Tafshilin, you can knock on my door, I can knock on your door and say, Faddal, take whatever you want, and you can make it for your family. We don't need to make a Hakna'ah, you can make it in my home, with my, all okay, it's yours for your family. If I want to eat from it, and we're posek, I'd need to make a kinyan. You'd need to take it as a matana from me. Then it would be permitted. You're the owner? Did you chant? You're the owner. As long as you don't eat from... Correct. That's what Rashi's making clear from you. As long as the owner is not benefiting from it, the person... If I don't eat, if I come to you and ask you don't eat from it, you're able to give it to me, right? No problems. Right. You if you eat from it, now I have to make a kinyan in order to, to, to acquire it. As the owner to eat from it, the Gemara's question is whether you need a hakna'ah. Now, Tosafot, on the left-hand side, Dibura Madhil I have two very basic questions on Rashi's girsa, and the girsa that we have in the Gemara in front of us. Take a look at the left-hand side in Tosafot. Vetema. Vetema is how they begin a question. It's a wonder. It's difficult to understand. Ho'il v'kim Once you're telling me that the flower on that angle, on that position, is forbidden. Mamo'il hakna'ya l'acherim. How does it help in turn once I stated, now you understand, Rashid kind of, especially with those two words that we just read, says that the Kemah is not actually Asur, it's the Kemah is Asur to me. But Tosafot's question is, once the Kemah is actually Asur, what does it help to uh, have someone else acquire it? Is it possible through a Kinyan to another to uproot that prohibition, ultimately speaking, it should be prohibited for me to eat from because I transferred the ownership. Again, I entered into the holiday, I didn't have Eruv Tafshilin. On this angle of the Gemara that the Kemah is Asur, the Kemah is Asur understands Tosafot. If it's Asur, even though it's in the possession of another person, that shouldn't change its status vis-a-vis me. It's his, but the Kemah is Asur. That's Tosafot's understanding. In other words, for Tosafot, the kemah, the, the items that I have, have, let's, let's, imagine, let's imagine it like this. According to Tosafot, the kemah that I have is injected with poison. As a result, even though it's in someone else's possession, it's still poisonous to me. Whereas Rashi already made clear to us from the safek of the gemara, which we were medayek in a moment ago, she already told us it wasn't poisonous from the onset. Another person could be eating from it. The only question vis-a-vis me, it's less poisonous. It's more a prohibition. Maybe now that I transfer. R- Rabbi, it's like, Rashi's point, it's like, um, I forgot to do my idea with Tarshidim. Nathan says, come over, eat by me. Right? Okay. Eat by him. I don't have to eat by him. Right? Right. Along the same lines. But again, keep so in mind. Sure. Well, I made a kinyan. But this, that's right. But there's a greater, that's market. right. Yeah. And furthermore, there's a difficulty. Once it's once what is saying, my flower is poison. That's correct. That's correct. That's correct. 
That's right. That's why they have this question. Uh, once it's prohibited, why should others be able to cook for me or bake for me? In other words, Tosafot seems to be angling along the lines of general principles of, of agency in, in Gemara thought. When you make a shaliyah, when you make a messenger, the messenger can't do something that you can't do. They don't uh, get empowered with new abilities. And as a result, once this is forbidden for me, why should it be permitted for another? But ultimately, ultimately speaking, but the, 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 the first question of Tosafot is questioning vis-a-vis the, the flower. Right. The second question is, even if we get around the flower, ultimately speaking, with regards to me, since we're imagining and realizing this man is making the food for me, he shouldn't be any greater than me. In other words, if he's my agent, even if the food is not poisonous, Tosafot is wondering what did the Kinyan help? It doesn't belong to you. I'm glad you suffice with that. Tosafot says when you have poison, whether it belongs to you or not, it's still poisonous. Why do you consider it poisonous? Because that's their understanding. When we say something is asur, when we say something is asur, says Tosafot, we imagine and we realize that it is poisonous. If for arguments... One second, one second, one second. Good question. If I, for example, were to take pig, and I gave it and I say, but I'm not going to own it, I'm going to be makne to a non-Jew who's permitted to it. Can he make food for no. me with it? Certainly not. So if this is poisonous, it's pig. If but, that's, but, but it's not pig. You're assuming that, Tosafot says, if it's kimchone esar, it's pig. And as a result, Tosafot says, how did you help by making a hakna? I understand your we angle. Let's say we both made an But you didn't we make an eruv. But Rabbi, you don't have an eruv. The, the neighbor has an Ayrub, 100%. The neighbor, Lehavdil, is the non-Jew. That's true. No, and the non-Jew can eat whatever pig he wants. But it's Asur to me. As a result, says Tosafot, had you effectuated anything by saying now it's his. Says Tosafot, I, get, I understand you're saying it's not poisonous. Tosafot says, Where'd you, you come up with that? How'd you decide that it's not poisonous? Therefore, says Tosafot, there's a different girsa in our Gemara. There's a different version of our Gemara. How so? Quote, Those were words in our Gemara. If you were to tell me that he is forbidden to cook, but his items are not forbidden, in such a circumstance, then you can make a hakna'a to another. Again, if the items are permitted... I'm the only one forbidden. Now, again, only because on the lenient angle of our Gemara, in our Gemara, the lenient angle was if the Kemah is permitted, my neighbor could just come and do it in my house with my stuff without any hakna. According to Halachot Gedolot, no, 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 no. On the lenient angle that the Kemah is mutar, the neighbor then would need a hakna and then it's permitted. What about if the kemah was asur? So on the other angle, if it's unesar, vikimhonesar, a hakna doesn't effectuate anything. So ultimately speaking for Tosafot, you could, but it won't help being permitted for you. Even for the neighbor who did it? 
Wouldn't the neighbor's eruv cover him that the kimtor should be not be asur? It's your kemah. But that's fine. But the Eruv Tafshilin was done for your neighbor's yeah, food yeah, yeah, and your neighbor's ability to do things. Your food, the safek of our... Okay. Says the Gemara, my, what's the halacha? Says the Gemara in terms... Maybe it's already a second time. Says the Gemara, Tashema. Tashema, let's learn from the following tavshilin. If a person didn't leave, didn't prepare Eruv Tavshilin, says the Beraita, that person should not be baking, shouldn't be cooking, he shouldn't be cooking by means of insulation, neither for himself, you can't cook for others either, and others as well cannot cook or bake for you. What do you do? You're not going to have food for Shabbat, says the Beraita. You can make a hakna'a, you can give as a present your kemah to others, and they can make food for you. Shema'mina, says our Gemara, I understand. Shema'mina, hu ne'esar. Says the Gemara, the fact that you need to be makne to another in order to permit the food to be consumed by you. Clearly, the conclusion of our Gemara is Hu ne'esar, vikim ne'esar. Left hand side, Tosafot says the final line is different according to Halachot Gedolot. Tosafot says, Right? By definition, they need to have a flip conclusion. Ultimately speaking, the Halacha is identical. The question is, which angle are we on? So again, the Halacha Lemaskana in our Gemara is as long as you have a Hakna'a in that circumstance to another. Uh, that would permit you to eat from that food. Is that because Hune Esar Vikim Hone Esar? That's Rashi's reading in the Gemara. Tosafot, again, ultimately speaking, past the theoretical beginning, ends the same way. It's just that theoretically it's because Hune Esar Vikim Hone Esar. That's the only way and only reason we would permit being makne to another. But at the end of the Gemara, that's the Pesach Kalacha. He doesn't make Is the flower kosher on Sunday morning? Absolutely. Why would your flower become forbidden? If he didn't make a kinyan, one second, if he didn't make a kinyan and he cooked with it, that will question in the Gemara. That will question in the Gemara. That that will question in a moment. But right now, it's your food in your home. You don't need an Eruv Tavshilin for your food in your home if you're not using it. So when you could rely on someone else's Eruv, what does that mean? We learned on a page before you could Our Gemara is not dealing with relying on another person's Eruv. If you did, no problem so whatsoever. Everything's good. You can cook. Our Gemara is either you've already been Poshia, or alternatively you're on a stranded island, there is no Rav Ha'ir, and so forth. You know. Yes? Is he going to transfer ownership back to him? He's going to put the food in front of me. He's allowed to eat the food. <laughs> On Yom Tov? For what reason? It would be Asur then. He can't cook anyway. What's he doing with it? Yes, Joe. No difference. I just pointed out either he was already a transgressor once and Abu Adi Shmuel told him no longer. Or he's on a stranded island, there is no Rav Hayyam. That's what. Okay. Says the Gemara Anwar. Can he eat the goods 
Bottom line is, as long as he made a hakna'a, he can. Hakna'a, kinyan. Says the Gemara, Iba'ayalehu, they had another question in the Midrash. Avar ve'afa. My, what would be the halakha if a person does not have an eruv tafshilin? He goes ahead and he bakes with his items on Yom Tov, which he's not allowed to do. What's the status of his item which was cooked? Rashi, Is it permitted for him to eat it on Shabbat? Interesting statement though. Uh, Rashi's words are Why does he say Bishabbat? What about Mosai Shabbat? In other words, he did something Isur. For, for argument's sake, in Siman Shin Yod Het, Shohan Aruch is Posek La'alacha. If you went ahead and you cooked on Shabbat, it depends if you did it B'mezid or if you did it B'shogeg. But ultimately speaking, it'll have ramifications after Shabbat. Over here, the Gemara, according to Rashi, is specifically bothered on Shabbat. You went ahead and you were ofeh bi'isur on Yom Tov, midrabbanan asur, because you didn't have an iruv tafshilin. Can you then eat from it on Shabbat? It's a greater problem that he's cooking on Yom Tov if it's not Shabbat. For, for his In other words, if the case isn't Shabbat. No, no, again, again, it's Yom Tov and he's cooking for Shabbat. Shabbat. But clearly, the, I'm saying that the case would have to be for Shabbat. In other words... What? If it was for the weekday, it's Asura yeah, from the yeah. start. No, 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 no. no. The, you can't cook your toast before. Understood. Understood. I'm cooking for Shabbat. Yeah. Rabbi, I cooked for Shabbat. Ooh, you can't have it on Shabbat. Can I have it on Sunday? Rashi's explaining to us that's not the Safek of the Gemara. Safek of the Gemara is only on Shabbat. To eat it on Sunday seems mm-hmm. to be permitted. That's all I'm just pointing out. Okay, says the Gemara, Tashema. From the Lashon of Rashi. That he says, Maushi Yochal Shabbat. Seems to be talking specifically Shabbat. Sunday, even though you're not allowed to cook. That's what it sounds like from Rashi. There's a mahluk in poskim about this. Tashema, come and learn from the following beraita. Mind sound familiar? We learned this just a minute ago. Makne kim In a circumstance where a person did not prepare eruv tavshilin, make a hakna'a to others, as we learned in the Gemara just a moment ago. One second, and as a result, they'll cook for you, says the Gemara. But wait a second. This beraita, our assumption is, will be informing us of all possible circumstances under that, uh, con- in that context. In a situation where a person didn't prepare eruv tavshilin, what is their option? How can they or would they deal with this? Well, I could say, number one, they could be makne to another. Then you might say further, if you're going to exhaust all possibilities, if they went ahead and cooked, well, here's the status of the cooked items. The fact that it doesn't include those next words seems to tell us if they went ahead and cooked, it won't be permitted, at the very least on Shabbat. That's why the diuk in Rashi is not necessarily a full-fledged diuk, because ultimately speaking, our proof over here is with regards to Shabbat, we want to know, can you... Vi'i'ita, and if you were to tell me, if it was so, litne, this biraita should have included avar ve'afa mutar. It should have said not only can you be maknet to another in order to eat the food, but if you went ahead and you cooked the food, it's mutar to eat from it. The fact that it doesn't mention those words. That's your assumption. That's the Iba'ya of the Gemara. The Gemara says, if you went ahead and you cooked with it, can you eat from it? Kimcha'asu means you can't cook with it. Our question is, if you went ahead and did cook with it, you all there in Yisud Rabbanan, can you now eat from it? That's the question. So the, tash, so the Tashima is, 
the fact that the Beraita only mentions being maknet to another and doesn't say as well, if you went ahead and were over and, uh, over and, and mevashel with it or offer with it, then you can eat from it. It seems clear that since Kim Hoasur, since you weren't allowed to do this alternatively, it's not mutar. The response of the Gemara is that's not a sufficient proof because it goes like this. You walk into the class on Shabbat morning and my class is, gentlemen, let me tell you the laws of Bishul on Shabbat. Here are the laws. If you want to be Mevashel on Shabbat, has to already be mevushal kimachal ben And I go through the ins and outs of the halachot. And then someone raises a hand after the class and says, but wait a second, you didn't address if a person went ahead and cooked on the... I said, one second, I was talking about the way to do this right. You're talking about if you went ahead and did it wrong, what the ramification? That wasn't, I'll do a separate class on that. This Beraita is telling you, you messed up. You didn't have Eruv Tafshilin. How do you fix the situation? Says the Beraita, be maknet to another. No, but why didn't it mention as well, if you went ahead and cooked that the food is permitted, that might be the case. That wasn't the objective of the Beraita. The Beraita was to tell you the Takanta. How do you fix this situation the best way? Not if you did it in the wrong way. What's the status of the food? That's what these words mean over here. Says the Gemara, Tana, the author of this Beraita, is teaching us, Takanta de hetera katane. Hetera means mutar. Yeah. So it's uh, the permitted way yeah. in such a circumstance he's teaching us. Takanta de isura, uh, to fix it in a prohibited way. La katane. That was never the objective. Because if you went ahead and were mivashel, that you could eat from, says the Gemara, so that wouldn't be a sufficient proof. Tashema, Tashema, we have yet another proof from a Beraita. Now the next interesting words. Vimrasa le'echolet eruvo. Listen to the words. Okay. Vimrasa le'echolet eruvo. If I'm interested in eating from my eruv tafshilin after I cooked on Yom Tov, hareshut beyado. Oh, very interesting, which means to say, whereas our Mishnah at the beginning of the Patek told us that you need to leave some over, that's for the cooking of my eruv tafshil, uh, of, of my food for Shabbat. That's for the cooking of the food for Shabbat. Once I cook the food for Shabbat, it's second day Yom Tov, I prepared the food for Shabbat already. I can now eat from my Eruv Tavshilin. You maybe would have said, well, uh, if the Eruv Tavshilin was, was only the beginning of my meal and the food that I cooked afterwards was a continuation of that, I need the beginning of my meal still there? Not so. Eruv Tavshilin is a matir. It makes it mutar to continue, eat, to continue cooking. And as a result, I can eat from my Eruv Tavshilin entirely after I cooked my Shabbat meal. Uh, what happened? He ate it before baking for Yom Tov. Or You haven't done any of your cooking items for Shabbat. You haven't done and you ate Eruv Tavshilin. Okay, effectively that's a case for us just as if you didn't leave Eruv Tavshilin. Right? Why not? Eruv Tavshilin needs to be present. Our Mishnah told us while you're cooking, at the very least you need a kazait. Um, and I don't have anything remaining in such a circumstance. I don't have an Eruv Tavshilin. It's as if I didn't do it to begin with. What's the status? What's my situation? Harezeh, lo yofeh, velo yevashel, velo yatmin. 
Such a person cannot and may not uh-huh. now cook, bake, or uh, use an insulated way of cooking for Shabbat. Lo, lo, neither for yourself, lo, la, not for others. Velo, ahirim, ofinum, vashilino. And you can't even have others make for you. Aval, aval, mevashel huliyom tob, vim hotir, hotir le Shabbat. However, what you can do is you can use your food and make food for Yom Tov. Vim hotir, if you have leftover, use that for Shabbat. So far, no chidush. Final words are our chidush. Ubilvad shelo ya'arim. However, you may not be conniving. You can't be sly. You can't be like the Nahash who was arum, the Torah tells us. How so? I'll say with a wink. And a sparkle of my eye, I'm making a very lavish and elaborate meal for Yom Tov. But it's just me and my wife. Why are you preparing ten dishes? Clearly I have in mind for Shabbat. Lo ya'arim. It's asur in such a circumstance to be ma'arim. We still haven't yet figured out the key. V'im he'arim asur. And if you did go ahead against the warning, which was, don't be ma'arim. That's discretionary. It's asur. Says the Gemara, says the Gemara implicitly to us, isn't that similar to our situation? I don't have an Eruv Tafshilin. I go ahead, I go ahead and I'm cooking against the Isur. Am I permitted to eat the food? If you told me over here, Asur, the food is forbidden when the rabbi said, don't be doing this, shouldn't it be equivalent to our case? The rabbi said, don't cook. Over here, the rabbi said, don't overdo the cooking. Should there be any difference between the two? Hey, if the rabbis told them, that doesn't matter. The Eruv's gone, it's as if he never had an Eruv. Oh, not so our issue. It doesn't matter. The Eruv is gone. It's not, no. So again, uh, uh, it will, well, you're, you're all right. Give the Gemara a moment to, to develop that. But again, to articulate the question just clearly, if the statement over here is the rabbis say, don't overcook, and you did overcook, and it's forbidden, so shouldn't we transfer that and assume as well in our situation where the rabbis say, you didn't have Eruv Tafshilin, don't cook, you went ahead and cooked, that it should be Asura as well. Rashi, parenthetically, briefly on the left-hand side, asks a question from the Gemara and Daf Yod Aleph. You might recall this Gemara, the Gemara over there told about uh, a situation where, if you look at the left-hand side of Tosaf, uh, Rashi, Vim He'irim Asur, take a look at Rashi, Le'echol, you may not eat from the food if you did that ha'arama, you were conniving and made extra food. De'ahmur rabbanan b'haymilta, the rabbis were stringent on this matter. Shelo la'akor torat eruv, and it, uh, they didn't want to uproot the concept of eruv and allow for you to sketch it and say, well, I'm going to make extra food. Now ask Rashi, v'laddame, and this is not similar, le'ha'arama de'ravadabar ahava. And Daf Yod Aleph, we learned about Ravadabar Ahava, the Malach Garma Garma. The circumstance over there was a slaughtered animal, and not all of it would be eaten on the holiday. But as a result, much of it would go to waste. There was no refrigeration devices which would main, which would preserve it for you. What did Ravadabar Ahava do? He would take piece after piece. Garma means a bone, one bone after the next. He would say, this looks good for the meal, and salt it. And then say, you know something, I think this piece is better. And salt that as well. Ultimately speaking, salting the whole animal. And the Gemara spoke pra- in a praiseworthy fashion about Ravada Barahava. Isn't that Ha'arama? The Gemara explicitly called it Ha'arama. Why are you allowed to be sly and conniving with regards to salting the animal, even though you're not going to be enjoying it on Yom Tov, you'll just be enjoying a portion of it? 
But over here in our circumstance, we're being oser, being sly when I say, you know something, honey, maybe we'll have 10 courses for lunch today. What are you talking about? They're both haramah. One was permitted on Dafyo Delf. This one is for some reason prohibited. Putting in extra meat at one, at one time? That's Marbebe yeah. Shi'urim. Over yeah. here, you're Marbebe Ma'asim. It might be, but of that Ha'aramah, there's no extra Tirha. Effectively, so Rashi, Rashi answers uh, that that situation was different than this one because over here, we're do- dealing with more of a full fledged Melacha and Isur of Bishul. Over there, at most, says Rashi, you're dealing with what's called Melach. It's called ibud ochalim. You're kind of using the um, salt in order to be me'abed, in order to work in and preserve the food. That's not even an isur banan, says Rashi. The only reason the rabbis forbade that, salting the animal, unnecessary on Yom Tov, is what we call tirhats, extra straight, strenuous activity. That's what they said. Over there, say the rabbis, since inherently this action is permitted, it's just overexerting yourself, ha'arama is mutar. In our situation, you're dealing with bishul. Inherently, the action is problematic. In this situation, Ha'arama is Asur. Again, Rashi writes, writes these words over here. It says, Rashi, Velada melah ha'arama de ravada barahava, de malach garma garma. Explains Rashi, de'en ibud be'ochalim, because the principle is, we don't assume, even midrabbanan, that there's something called ibud, working in, preserving food, which is Asur. Vimishum tirha, maybe the issue over there, which was the issue, potentially is overexerting, working too hard. Ha'adifa, dilma has, shelo yasri ha'bas, uh, the Gemara over there is deciding, the rabbis did, uh, that uh, the, uh, the circumstances of not allowing for the salting of the entire animal would lead people to not slaughter it in the first place, which in turn would mean you don't have meat for the holiday, so therefore they permit it. But again, back to our sugya. So that's Rashi dealing with a side point. How do you square this sugya with that sugya? To our sugya, and let's conclude with this for now. Our sugya... No, over here we're specifically, if anything, on the kemah, and we're on things which are already preserved. It's got to be baking. So again, our sugya over here. One second. So our sugya over here then has a question: How come ha'arama is asur if you went ahead and you added extra food to your cooking? You're not allowed to then enjoy that on Shabbat. Whereas you're telling me that potentially, or maybe we should extend it. It's not a question per se, it's a proof. It means in turn, if avaru bishel, if you went ahead against your iruv tafshilin, without an iruv tafshilin, and you were mevashel, maybe it should be asur, says the Gemara, you can't compare the two. Why not? Amara vashel, as everyone wanted to say, ha'arama ka'amarta, question mark. Are you talking about ha'arama, the sly, conniving activity? Shane ha'arama de'ahmiru barabanan tefe mimezid. Ha'arama is more stringent than mezid. How so? Mezid is our circumstance. You didn't have Eruv Tavshilin, you valiantly and you defiantly go against it. Explains Rashi the difference. Uh, briefly goes like this. Uh, there's two types of situations. On the one hand, you see a person being Alver and Isur. You see a person being Alver and Isur. You say that person, he's a Rasha. I'm not going to learn from him. He says, Alver and Isur. That's our Gemara. You didn't have Eruv Tavshilin, and you go ahead and you're cooking anyway. Nobody's learning from that. Say the rabbis, potentially, 
and the food is permitted afterwards. We don't need to build a further safeguard because nobody's going to learn from you. You did something defiantly. You shouldn't have done that. Asur, Rasha, we're not learning from Rasha. This case of Ha'arama, where honey, I think we'll have a 10-course meal. No secrets. A, a, wink in my eye, a wink with my eye. I smile and I say, ah, we're going to have just a delicious four-course meal, which we might leave over for Shabbat. Oh, it's a sketch. Everybody laughs a little bit and everyone says, oh, that, that's okay. You weren't actually going against the Takana. You found a way around that. Say the Hachamim, that's the way you're going to play this. We're going to uproot Eruv Tavshilin then. People are going to learn from that. That's a lot more dangerous. In short, the Gemara has no maskana. The Gemara's question in our second segment of the Gemara today was, What's the halacha in a circumstance where you went ahead didn't have an Eruv Tavshilin, and were Mevashel. Can you enjoy that food after? You shouldn't have done it, no question. But you went ahead and you did it. Is it Mutar? The Gemara thought to bring one proof, and then thought to bring another proof. Says the Gemara, maybe the proof is that if you were Ma'arim, when you were sly and tricky in saying, I'm going to prepare the extra food for Shabbat, but you know, really preparing it for this meal. Over there it's Asur, says the Gemara. That's not comparable to our situation. Over there you did it with a wink of the eye. Over there it's a lot more dangerous that you'll uproot Eruv Tavshilin and assume you're doing the right thing over here everybody knows what you're doing is wrong and as a result maybe the food isn't so hamur to say it's a